This morning's reading is uh, from the letter to the church at Ephesus. I'm reading um, Ephesians um, chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, which you will find on page 1173 in the Blue Church Bibles. And then David is going to come and unpack it for us. For this reason, ever since I heard, heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thanks for reading for us, Stuart. And thanks for uh, your welcome this morning. It's great to be here. Uh, Now, I've got to to say to you, I'm in something of a bind. Uh, As a follower of Jesus, uh, I'm in this bind between... Uh, both scepticism on one hand, but desire on the other. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, On the one hand, I am sceptical. A friend of mine put on Facebook an invitation a couple of weeks ago to a faith healer, uh, a miracle worker, to come and experience that. And I've got to say, my response is something of scepticism, because I've just seen too many documentaries, too many stories, um, even just my own experience, where people have used faith healing uh, to rip others off. Uh, And I just look at it and I think whatever power they might seem to have or be claiming, um, it just seems a bit dodgy. So I I feel sceptical. On the other hand, uh, there is that desire. uh, I would, I just feel like, for my own walk with Jesus, I'd I'd love it if there was a bit more oomph in my Christian life. Um, You know, it's like your your prayers can feel a bit stale. That you know, singing songs at church can feel like a bit going through the motions. Um, I, I would wouldn't mind a bit more, you know a bit more power in, in my walk with Jesus. So here I am caught between scepticism on the one hand but wanting more oomph on the other. So what do we do with that? I don't know if that's your sort of experience, that you'd, you'd like a bit more oomph in your Christian walk. What do we do with that? Well, I think at least part of the answer to that is in this passage that Stuart was uh, reading for us this morning. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, what I want to do is look at two prayers 
that Paul prays for the Ephesians uh, today in chapter 1 and next week in chapter 3. Uh, in today's prayer, I want to do it under three headings and look at what's the content of the prayer and then ask, well, why does Paul pray this for the Ephesians and what about you know, this as a prayer for us? Uh, you'll see there's an outline there in your leaflet, so if, you've, uh, if that's helpful for you to follow along. Uh, and we're on page 1173 in your Bibles. So let me pray and ask that God would speak to us this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much that you're a speaking God. Uh, please um, now take your word and make it alive to us. Uh, may we know your voice speaking into our lives. Amen. So what does Paul pray? Uh, what's the content of the prayer uh, that we're looking at this morning? Well, it's like there's a, a topic sentence and then there's three uh, subpoints to it. Uh, so the first part of the prayer, the, the topic sentence of it, uh, comes in verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul's praying for the believers at Ephesus that they will know God better. He prays they'll appreciate his character, who he is, what he does, more and more, that they will know him better. The last time God was mentioned by name like this uh, comes back in verse 3. He is the God who has blessed them in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's the God who had them in mind before the creation of the world, the God who's adopted them as his children, who's bought them with the blood of Christ. He's the God who has saved them and so that all the universe might stand back and marvel at just how great God is. This is the glorious God who blesses and chooses and adopts and loves and forgives and redeems so that all the creation would know just how great he is. He does it for people who do not deserve it. And Paul prays, may you know this God better and better. May, may you appreciate who he is more and more, his character and how he acts. To do that, to know God better like that, is going to take a work of God. It's going to take God's Spirit working in people so that they will know him better. As we said in the, uh, the interview earlier on, uh, I work at the Bible College of South Australia. Uh, one of the things we do when people apply to come to college to study is uh, we do an interview with them. Uh, even before uh, they've started college, we, we want to say to them, listen, we'd love to get to know you better. Uh, and so we sit down, do an interview. But here's the secret. As I interview them, I, I can't make people say anything. I can ask a question, but unless people are prepared to make themselves known and, and answer the questions, well, what hope have I got? Likewise, we can't force God to make himself known, but God graciously reveals himself. We ask him and he does. He answers that. 
He makes himself known. That is a work of God, his spirit working in us, working in people. So here is Paul's overarching concern for his prayer as he prays for the Ephesians. Heavenly Father, please give my brothers and sisters at Ephesus your spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they would know you better. That's the, that's the big idea. He then goes to fill it out uh, with three other sort of sub-points. The first one, Paul prays that they would know God's plans. Uh, it's there in the first half of verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Now, what, what's this hope that he's talking about? Well, back in verses 10 to 12, uh, we see God's plan that one day he will bring all things in heaven and earth under Christ. Now, we live in a world that seems very broken and chaotic. Uh, you know, where, where is hope when you know, there was a story on the news about three kids Burnt to death in a house fire. Well, where is hope when you know, a young mum is diagnosed with inoperable brain cancer? Where is hope when in a country like ours where we have everything materially and yet we have such a high youth suicide rate? Where, where is hope in all of that? And yet Paul says... God is taking this world somewhere. There is purpose and direction. One day the Lord Jesus will be seen to be ruling over all things. And God has called his people to this real hope. So Paul prays, may the believers understand more and more this real hope that they have in Christ. Paul prays they would appreciate God's plans. The next thing is that Paul prays uh, that they would understand who they are as God's people. Uh, pick it up there in halfway through verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Uh, the key thing here is the use of his. It's the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. It doesn't say your glorious inheritance or our glorious inheritance. It's his. It's talking about God. God's holy people are his glorious inheritance. So Paul's praying that the Ephesians will appreciate more and more that as God's people, they are God's glorious inheritance. They belong to him. He is gathering them to himself. So when God brings in the new creation, the thing that he's going to revel in is, here are my people, here are my children that I have been gathering together for all eternity. His people are his glorious inheritance. Now that's a staggering thought, isn't it? That we, as God's people, are his glorious inheritance. That makes God's people extraordinarily special. Paul prays that they would appreciate God's plans. Paul prays that they would appreciate who they are as God's people. 
And third, he prays that they would know God's power. See there in verse 19. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul's praying the Ephesians will appreciate the power God provides for his people. Now, what sort of power is this? Over the years, uh, I've done quite a number of funerals. Uh, sometimes a, a family will request uh, a private viewing of the body the night before the funeral. Uh, or in some cases, uh, they might request an open casket uh, at the funeral. And so as you stand up the front, uh, you know, there's Auntie Helga or un- Uncle Bob or um, there in the casket. Um, and you see the form, you, you see the, the body there, but uh, there's no life there. Now, what would it take for somebody to sit up in the casket and you know, stretch their legs and climb out? It would take resurrection power, wouldn't it? And that's the power that Paul is saying is available to God's people. Have a look there in verse 19. And his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God's power is seen in the resurrection of Christ. God's power is seen in the exaltation of Christ, that he is ruling over all things. God's power is seen in Christ ruling for his church. The resurrection, the exaltation, the rule of Christ demonstrate God's power, and it's that same power that is available to his people. Now, isn't that a big thought? That we have that sort of power available to us. Paul prays for the Ephesians, may you know God better and better, that you'd appreciate who he is and how he acts. Paul prays that they would appreciate God's plans. Paul prays that they would appreciate who they are as God's people. Paul prays that they would know the power available in Christ to them more and more. Now, if that's the content of the prayer, that's the guts of it, well, the question we need to ask is, why this particular prayer? Why why does Paul pray this for the Ephesians? Because he could have prayed any number of good and useful things for them. Uh, You think about some of the other prayers in the New Testament. Uh, As Paul writes to the Romans, he gives thanks that their faith is being known everywhere. Or as he writes to the Thessalonians, he gives thanks that they're persevering in faith despite persecution. But he doesn't pray those things for the Ephesians. So why this prayer? Well, Ephesus, where this congregation is, uh, not only was it the centre for the goddess Artemis, 
Uh, it was also a well-known uh, center for magic and occult, for uh, incantations, that sort of thing. We get a sense of this uh, in Acts chapter 19. It'll be on the screen for you. Uh, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus that whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls and together burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. See, spiritual power and magic, uh, the power over the spiritual world, were clearly big issues in Ephesus. It's an issue whether you'd come out of a Jewish background. So we've got the, the sons of Sceva, who's a Jewish priest, trying to uh, exercise power over the demon-possessed. But you've also got others who've come out of a Gentile background where you know, they've had these uh, scrolls of their magic spells. They've been trying to exercise power to manipulate spiritual forces. And yet, when the power of Jesus becomes well-known at Ephesus, he is held, Jesus is held in high honour. So, for the Ephesian believers, whether you'd come out of a Jewish background or a Gentile background, it must have been tempting, don't you think, to hedge their bets. To say, listen, I'll have Jesus and my Jewish mysticism. I'll have Jesus and my magic scrolls, just in case Jesus doesn't work out. But they don't. They get rid of their scrolls. They burn them. You know, 50, a drachma was a day's wages. This is 50,000 days worth of wages. That's a lot of money. So Paul is praying for them that they would know everything that they have in Christ rather than turn back to what they've come out of. Paul prays for the Ephesians that they would know God better and better, that they would know his plans for them, that they would know who they are as his people, that they would know his power for them in Christ. And we've got a bit of a sense of why he's praying that. But what about this prayer for us? Why, why pray this prayer for us? Well, first of all, I think this is a great prayer for us at church and for the ministries that we serve in. Uh, remember, Paul is praying this for other believers. So it's a great model for us as brothers and sisters to be able to pray for each other. Let me just try and tease this out a bit. Um, we can be praying for each other that we would appreciate more and more God's plans 
And as we do, it helps lift our sights to what God's doing in this world. Uh, One of my um, concerns, one of those niggly sort of concerns I have for us as a Christian subculture uh, goes something like this. Uh, It's to do with not really seeing that there's anything beyond this life. Uh, we, we might not agree with the rest of the world uh, morally. Uh, you know, we want to be clear in terms of our Christian ethics. You know, we're, we're different. Um, and yet we can still function as if there's nothing more to life than just what's in front of us. It's the danger of claiming Christ and yet functioning as atheists. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, of course our, our churches are full of passionate, mission-minded believers who sacrifice so much. Uh, don't hear me wrong on that. But I do wonder whether this is an area for growth and change that we would lift our sights to God's plans. To be able to uh, pray, God, you know, please help us appreciate the hope that you've called us to. May we appreciate more and more your plans in this world, where you're taking this world. Please lift our sights to see what you're doing. Uh, That one day you will bring everything under Christ. Uh, That this world does have a use-by date. And you know what? We want as many people there to stand before Jesus right with him on that last day. We want each other to be there on the last day, to persevere in faith, even when life's tough. To be able to say, keep going, look at the hope that we have. It's that sort of hope that caused this church to be started, isn't it? See, you are carriers of this hope in this local area. So as we ask God to lift our sights, uh, to appreciate more and more his plans, then it fuels you know, us uh, when it comes to what God has for us as a congregation. There's another way I think uh, this prayer helps us, and that's around the issue of spiritual power. Because people are hungry for spiritual power. You, you think uh, middle of the year, uh, the Psychic es- Expo that they have at Adelaide Showgrounds attracts thousands of people. Uh, what about Fiona Horn? Fiona Horn is one of the world's uh, best-known witches. And she's an Australian. Uh, she's just put out her latest book. Uh, I was listening to an interview with her. Uh, she says her wit- witchcraft is all about connecting with nature. She also says that she's discovered that it's better to give than receive. But I think Jesus got a copyright on that one. See, people are hungry for spiritual power, and that includes people in our churches. But the cultural air that we breathe says the power for living comes from within. That if you just passionate enough. You, you, you can achieve your dreams. 
You know, release the real you. The problem is, God hasn't designed us like that. He hasn't designed us to be our own sort of thermonuclear spiritual reactor inside that's generating the spiritual power for life that must come from within. God hasn't set it up like that. But what he has done is made available his power for living. His power, resurrection power. So we can be praying for each other that we would appreciate more and more the incomparably great power that God has made available for us. It's resurrection power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. So if you're feeling like, you know, your walk with Jesus is a bit insipid, a bit like a weak cup of tea, uh, where's that power going to come from? Well, God is making that available to us. If you... If your prayers are a bit stale, um, if you've given up trying to grow as a Christian, here is a prayer for you. God is offering you his power. Will you ask him for it? Will you pray? Saying, God, you know my circumstances. Please, please give me power to grow in appreciating who you are, power to follow you. That's a great offer, isn't it? Surely that's an encouragement for us to pray. See, where's the power going to come from as you try and care for your ageing parents? Uh, You you know, you want to do it. It's hard work, though. uh, And just having the, you know, the, the energy and the patience and the kindness to keep doing it. But God is offering you his power. So will you ask him? Will you pray? God, you know my circumstances. Well, what about for our teenagers? Um, Where is power going to come from for them to be willing to identify themselves as Jesus followers at school? So, I mean, they, they see the Marvel movies, they see Thor, um, and sure, they, they know they can't be a superhero who flies and all that sort of stuff, but, but Thor taps into their desire for spiritual power. But the Marvel movies aren't going to help them stand up for Jesus. But God is offering them resurrection power the power of Jesus at work in their life. Well, what if you've got caught up with your gambling app on your phone and you just can't shake it? Where's the power going to come from to, to ditch that app and to ditch the gambling? That's going to take resurrection power. I think you're probably also going to need some professional help to deal with addiction. But at the heart of it, real change happens as God's power works in people. What about the person who 
who lacks the courage to pick up the phone and make contact with the, their dad who abandoned their family when they were a kid. Where does that sort of courage come from? It takes resurrection power. My brothers and sisters, whatever your circumstances, if you're a follower of Jesus, then God is offering you his resurrection power in Christ. And he asks us to pray, to say, God, please strengthen me. That's a prayer he loves to answer. So what a great encouragement for us to pray. Brothers and sisters, this is a prayer for us, that we would know God better, that we would appreciate his plans more and more, that we would know who we are as his people more and more, that we would grab hold of the power that he's made available to us in Christ. So let's pray. Our great God, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, the one who has made us your precious people, the one whose plans for this world extend into eternity. Please lift our sights to know you better and better and help us live for you this week as you strengthen us by your power. Amen.